All right, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest of the evening on Below the Belt show, actor extraordinaire. Um, oh, wait a minute, John. Oh, is that what I am? Yes, you can see him on This Is Us, uh, the season premiere uh, just dropped last week. The one and only John Huertas. John, good to have you back on Below the Belt show. I don't know if you know, but you, we had you on the show when you were on Castle. Um, I'm going to say you were on Castle? Yeah, we had you on uh, when you were on Castleberry, probably about... Uh, oh, that's right. I do remember that. Do you remember us? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were happy to have right. you back. And uh, I brought two This Is Us super fans in Ali Dash and Ashley Buck. They've seen every episode. So uh, Jesus. happy to have... You guys feel that earthquake? Yeah. <laughs> you guys feel that fucking earthquake? Oh, did, 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 did they just have an earthquake? Oh, wow. All that's of a sudden... Oh, yeah. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> Come on. John you, John, you look like in such a good mood and so healthy. Where are you now? Are you on the East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Venice. Venice. Of course. Bueno, huepa. You're talking to a fellow PR, dude. How often does oh, yeah, that I see happen? The I see the flag the in flag? the background. And New Yorkian man, Brooklyn yeah, in the house. <laughs> so hope, hopefully we're not two of the Latinos that the that the Democrats keep talking about. We lost the Latinos. They're talking about the Cubans who I don't even know if they're really Latino. Look, <laughs> somebody made a joke and they said that Latinos voting for Trump is like chicken voting for Colonel Sanders. Oh <laughs> boy. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I have so I have a lot of friends or a uh, couple of former friends actually from uh, uh, that are Cuban from Miami, and like I, my friend has literally told me before he's like, yeah, I'm just you know we you know we're white, and I'm like, well, I mean, I, I mean I don't I definitely can't call myself white, um, but uh, he, he like they, a lot of Cubans in Miami consider themselves not Latino or not people of color, if, if you will, really? you, you know, mm-hmm. are very Republican and they, um, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they think Donald Trump is their savior for some reason. Well, um, you know, the sad part about that is most of the Cubans that we had arrived here by the grace of God on a raft. Many of them. True. And they were allowed to stay. And I just don't understand how you can have, you can be one of those people or have family that was one of those people and then turn an eye on the other people that uh, he's putting in cages. You know, it's like, I don't know. Well, so a lot of the Cubans, I think, if, uh, I don't know how many of you guys are aware of uh, the history of Cubans coming from uh, the island of Cuba. But, you know, it, during the revolution, all of the wealthy people from Cuba got the fuck out. They were like, you know what, we gotta go, and right. we're establishing ourselves in 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 um, Miami. And then there were, you know, a lot of Cubans that were left behind that ended up, you know, there was some suffering uh, while a, a what used to be a democracy is becoming a socialist republic and you know a communist country, and there was poverty and and hunger, and so. You know, they they jumped on rafts, like you said, and they tried to, to, to come to the States and, you know, and, and they're seeking asylum. And what's funny is that, you know, the United States at that point, they like people fleeing Cuba 
that's fleeing asylum, but people fleeing, you know, Mexico or Guatemala or uh, Honduras or El Salvador, that's that's not so much seeking asylum. That's illegally coming into our country. Yeah. So it's, it's just funny the dichotomy there. But, you know, a lot of the Cubans that came over on rafts, you know, they're, they strive to, to have wealth. They strive to be a part of that Cuban community that originally came over. And so they adopt their same kind of um, mentality and adopt their same kind of like, you know, the, the, we'll, we will become more like them if we think more like them. So, oh, they're all Republican? Then we should all be Republican, even though that they, even though they were part of a different, they weren't part of the elite. They weren't part of that, that system. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird, um, it's a very weird kind of situation in Miami. Are you, are you following the election uh, results, John? Are you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks like we might have a night, another night or two to wait uh, for the results. But uh, but let's just dive into This Is Us, um, uh, John. Um, first of all, uh, I love the season five premiere. Guys, like oh. a super, yeah, a supersized uh, episode. I watched the first, the part one and part two yeah, of right. it. Yeah, and I, what I th- what I find very interesting is that This Is Us is tackling the current issues of today, like the pandemic. And also the BLM movement. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I don't see too many scripted shows covering the pandemic, you know, or, you know, uh, so I, I think it's kind of refreshing to see This Is Us following suit. Well, you know, the thing about This Is Us is that we kind of always have the, um, you know, we have, a, we have a part of our show that takes place present day. We are following the storyline of Kate. Randall and Kevin and you know old older Miguel and older Rebecca in today you know in, in today's society and so we have kind of license to be able to go there and um, you know tackle the issues that that we're seeing socially in our country um, and our writers they you know they come from very diverse backgrounds and our writers are brave and so I think it was there was a a decision made because it is something I think that was kicked around and talked about. Like, do we, everybody in Hollywood was kind of thinking like, do we, do we include COVID in our storytelling or do people right. rather have a, an escape from that? And just, let's just pretend like, you know, we're in a world where COVID doesn't exist. I think for our show, we, ha- because we try to stay so grounded and so real and touch people emotionally in a, you know, in a way where they are hopefully experiencing some of the same things that some of our characters are experiencing or someone in their family is experiencing some of the same things that our characters are experiencing. We couldn't not tap into what COVID is doing to the family right now, what COVID is doing uh, yeah. to the workplace right now. Right. But the BLM uh movement and and the idea behind blm is doing and just you know what you know kind of use of force in our police like how is that affecting people of color and how is that affecting our society i think we had to do that because i think people our audience they were expecting it and yeah i do a great job and kind of seamlessly um weaving it into our story, which um, I mean, I, I watched the two-hour premiere as well, and I thought we did a, a great job. Um, the way we worked it in without hitting it too hard, 
and you know but hitting it hard enough to where we were letting people know yeah we're going to talk about this yes and um you guys are wearing masks not any, not only off camera but on camera because the pandemic exists in this is us world do you yeah. feel safer that you're constantly wearing the masks in in the episodes I mean, I I personally in the two in the in the in the two episodes of the premiere, I didn't wear a mask on camera ever. Um, I was maskless. I think Kevin wore a mask. Yeah. Madison wore a mask. Yep. Um, a, but and Randall, of course, uh, I think wore a mask. But I did I didn't wear a mask. So uh, we, I I while we're filming, I had to wear a mask and a face shield at the same time. Right. To protect, you know, the, the cast because we are going to be the only people of the crew and, and all this, uh, you know, that are, that are going to have, you know, be mad. Yeah, and you have that, you got all that makeup because you're aged uh, 20 plus years and yeah. you can't really wear the mask. The face shield's more appropriate because it doesn't mess up your makeup, right? I'm, yes. I'm yeah, we're not able to wear the, the mask. When we have the prosthetic makeup on, we're not supposed to wear the actual mask. We're only supposed to wear the face shield. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I kind of don't feel that protected with the face shield on, but we got this fancy new face shield where it goes around the neck and it connects here and it kind of sticks up like that. But the whole, yeah. the whole top is, is open. So I just feel like, like if someone like turns around and like sneezes in the air, like the part of yeah. it doesn't, oh, no. it doesn't, it doesn't, it's like a new baptism. <laughs> yeah. uh. This this shield is not saving me from anything. Oh my! Are but you I, used to the makeup now, John? Am I? Uh, used to, yeah, you know this is my version of of working on Star Trek. Yeah. On Star Trek, I'm a big you know sci-fi nerd, and I, you know, I've, my goal and my dream has been to work on Star Trek and and be a you know an alien of some sort. I've always wanted to. I've actually always wanted to be a Klingon, really, is what I've wanted oh, to be. Oh, sweet. So this is my version of a Klingon, because I wear, you know, prosthetics. <laughs> and uh, so I, this is my version of that. I get to sit in the makeup chair for three hours, and I feel like, you know, that's what, uh, if you're going to be a Klingon, you're going to go through three to six hours of makeup. My Klingon just uh, doesn't have the forehead ridges. I have a little thing that they stick right here. Called <laughs> right. They call it a waddle. <laughs> the old people neck. They do a you phenomenal made, job. You made right Al here. Soto very happy. Al, tell him what you wore for Halloween. Oh, I was the Mandalorian. Were you really? Yes, that was my Halloween Wait, costume. What's your, what's your? Are you Polynesian? Good guess. Filipino mostly. Filipino. That Filipino's Polynesian. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Polynesian who was basically you know ruined by the Spanish, just like the Puerto Ricans were on my island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tamora Morrison, who played Jango Fett and Boba Fett in Mandalorian, um, is is from New Zealand, I believe. Yeah, Maori. So Maori from New Zealand. Maori from New Zealand, right? Yeah, I went on a deep dive one day. I, there's a uh, Australia Aust, Asian is like the group of people that inhabit the you know the, the Tonga, Hawaii, Samoa, Philippines. Um, the the southernmost part of Taiwan even like there are the indigenous peoples of these like this the, of the Pacific all come from this group of people and the Philippines is a big part of that and you're 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 relate you're probably you know you're more closely related to him than you would expect I would think right <laughs> I love it so what is the, so you mentioned your love of sci-fi is there 
see so Star Trek is up there with a, 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 oh, yeah. a project you'd like to work on. How about Star Wars or any of those? I like the, I love the Mandalorian. Um, and yeah. I have a friend, a co- I have two friends who are on the Mandalorian second season, nice. which I'm about. Um, and uh, I mean I like I like all kinds of sci-fi. I mean I I you know I said like sci-fi fantasy. So Game of Thrones was huge for me. Um, yes. You know the uh, the Witcher. I watched the Witcher, which is great. I don't. Have you guys watched Dark? I haven't. No, Ashley, have you, Ashley, you've seen everything. No, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I hear it's excellent, actually. It's on my list, um, yep. but no, I haven't started it yet. I love Dark because Dark Dark did something to me that Another Earth did to me. So Dark starts uh-huh. as a, it seems like a crime thriller, and you don't realize it's a sci-fi show at the beginning. And then they slowly get you to to get invested in, you know, what's going on with this crime? How am I going to help them solve it? And then suddenly, boom, this is sci-fi. And you're like, what? Um, (laughs) Brilliant. It's awesome. So Another Earth is the opposite. Another Earth, the artwork and, you know, the way that the trailer looked, it looked like a sci-fi film. But then they they drew me into that as a sci-fi fan. And then they introduced me to this, this story that was, you know, about a, a woman who killed this man's family and then secretly becomes his maid and tries to get close to him in some sort of effort to apologize, but did, just creates this weird relationship. And and then just how seamlessly they're able to kind of connect sci-fi and um, something with so much sentiment and heart. Like, that's the kind of sci-fi I really love is when it's very... Um, when it's very grounded and very real and I can invest in like both halves of my brain into it. Um, I'm looking at your IMDb. You've done a lot of reality based, uh, you know, real life based um, acting gigs, but you do have Terminator to Sarah Connor Chronicles, which is, that's right. That was, that's pretty awesome. So you must've been on cloud nine for booking that one. Kind of, but I didn't get to see a Terminator. So I had done this show generation kill um, which is a military show based on a real book, based on uh, you know a book that was written about a real the real guys who invaded Iraq and um, and then uh, I came back and I shot this pilot Castle um, and <laughs> while we're waiting for Castle to get you know what are we going to get picked up or what uh, I got asked to join the cast of, of Sarah Connor Chronicles for a couple of um, there was going to be a recurring character and. Yep. Uh, the first episode, I li- I spent all my time basically in a hospital with my my the girl who's playing my wife who was pregnant. Um, uh, and then Castle got picked up and I couldn't go back, so I never got to see like. And I was supposed to be the guy who was going to train. Uh, what's the name? John Con- is John Connor the son? Yeah, John Connor the son. Yep. That's uh, right. So I was train John Connor. Uh, to be like a fighter, I was a, I was a cop who was like you know well versed in weaponry and things like that. And then, you know, I got picked up on Castle, and you know we ran for eight years. So yeah, long run on that. Yeah, but I did get you know working with Lena Headey was awesome before Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah, and she was, I mean, she's such an amazing person and woman. Like you would. It, it, I was actually very nervous and scared to meet her and work with her because of 300. She was amazing in 300. She was gorgeous. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God. She, she's yes. probably 
she probably knows how gorgeous she is. She knows how. <laughs> so she's gonna let me know how badass and gorgeous she is, and I'm not gonna be able to talk to her. And she <laughs> wouldn't stop talking to me every time. Whenever we weren't on camera, she would not stop talking to me. She was just like, you know, talking to me, like, "Where are you from? What are you interested in? What are you, what's up? What's up? What's up? What, what, what about you?" And I was like, "Lena Haiti, you're supposed to be, you know, mean to me. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be able to talk to you, but." She she was just amazing. She's a beautiful soul. She is. Yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of beautiful souls, I I've met a couple of the cast of uh, This Is Us, and they're just all very very incredible people. Um, Sterling K, I, I saw him at the SAG Awards a couple years back, and we we talked for a little while, and then how he kind of got a resurgence in his career a little later in life, you know. And I thought that was interesting that he didn't start this young, young, young 20 something actor getting the big gigs. And, uh, he started fairly later in life and found success later. I thought that was yeah. pretty interesting talking like, about that. After 35, I think is when he really, um, I mean, yeah, I think he was, you know, he guest starred on castle by the way. Um, after, yeah. after army wives between army wives and between the OJ thing, um, he guest starred on castle and he was amazing. just, an amazing actor, first of all, but then just a great guy to kick it with, you know, when the camera wasn't rolling. And um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that are that are really good at what they do. And I was just talking to somebody tonight about momentum. And it's all mm-hmm. about when, when you get your momentum and when right. you can, and you keep the momentum going. And I think that that's uh, something that happened for him a, a little a little later when he was able to finally get the momentum and keep the momentum going and it just has snowballed. His momentum hasn't stopped. Um, and, but yeah, he's such a great, great actor and great guy that it was only inevitable that, that he was going to be, you know, multi Emmy winning. Right. Who have you befriended from the cast? No, no. Who do you, who do you get, who do you get beers with? I don't care for anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> I think I've uh, Mandy Moore and I are pretty tight. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really. She's she's actually someone that I kind of looked at like I looked at Lena Headey because she was, you know, she hosted TRL with Carson. Right. Um, I love TRL. She, she was a big pop star back in the day. So how I know. She, no way is she cool. She is mad cool. Um, That's awesome. Daughter is her husband Taylor. So she, I'm, I'm really good friends with her. I'm also, I mean, I've, I've befriended all of them, really. I think I'm, I love something about every single one of uh, my castmates, the the adult ones anyway. But um, like Chris Sullivan lives right by me. We have this mutual Taser face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From we Guardians have this mutual of- love for food, for laughter. Mm-hmm. Um Chrissy Metz and I have this mutual love for music and singing and uh, laughter. Uh, I many more. I make her laugh. She laughs at my dumb jokes, so <laughs> she's got to be on. Um, uh, Justin Hartley and I, we have this. Uh, we both love great wine, um, and also laugh. Justin's one of the funniest guys you've ever met and nobody knows that until you get to hang out with him he's so funny and so cool yeah and then sterling and i we bond over uh you know first of all being both of us being uh persons of color so we have you know socially we're able to talk about what's going on in the world right now but then um 
I think there, there is like a little bit of history from when he guest started on Castle. We connected then, and you know, we just have this kind of um, this connection uh, of the, the the history that we have, and then the, being people of color, and then he also lives on the west side of LA, like I do. So he's someone I really uh, get along with well. As That's awesome. And also Milo. Milo and I both ride motorcycles, so we'll ride to work together we'll you know we'll say hey uh, you're working tomorrow let's meet up and let's ride our motorcycles to Hollywood. yes Twitter. let's ride it to san pedro wherever we're going and he lives literally 10 minutes from me wow. so have any of the cast been over to your restaurant because i read you and your wife opened up a really great restaurant yeah you know i was just i went there today uh we had uh, a little epk interview type thing that we had to do me and my partner and literally, my partner was like, hey, yeah, Chris was here the other day, and he was saying that, you know, working with the testing and all this stuff is crazy. But, yeah, Chris Sullivan, he goes all the time, or he orders food from there all the time, whatever he needs to do. But, yeah, Chris has been there um, because he's West Side. Uh, I think Milo has been there, and Sterling has definitely been there. But, um, like, Chrissy lives pretty far away. Manny lives pretty far. Manny lives in Pasadena. Pasadena to Venice is like. Oh yeah. It's like I mean that's like a two-hour drive. That's a day trip. Oh wow. I know it's only a thirty miles, but it's like a two-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Manny would have to plan that. She's like, all right, honey, did you get the? Did you pack the bag? Did you, did you have enough water? Do we have enough water? Do we have emergency <laughs> blankets? Okay, yeah, let's go to Venice. That's awesome. You and Mandy Moore are fantastic at like when playing, you know. Uh, when you guys are younger and then being older, like just the mannerisms, like, like I, you truly believe you guys are that older age. Um, it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, we kind of, um, at the very beginning of season one, when we were in our old age makeup, when we both were kind of like, okay, we didn't really think about or like, how are we going to play old and like you know I went through the groundlings improv school and yes. about developing characters I mean these are the people that get hired to do Saturday Night Live or Mad TV and the characters can be a little broad and so like the only time I'd ever portrayed an older person you know I'm doing the the shaky head and I've got the can and I'm like let me tell you something <laughs> I was growing up I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow and it, like that was like the only time I'd ever tried to do the old thing, and right. you know we can do we couldn't do that. This is a very grounded show, and you have to be um, you have to be real. And so what you know we had to try to figure out like what what is it like to to age to be an elder version of of who we are. And so we kind of both figured out that. People that are older than us, they've experienced more than us. They have um, this experience they can fall back on, and they and I think they just they just take their time before they say something. They take their time before they do something. They take their time getting up, sitting down, and it's it's all about just kind of slowing everything down. When you're young, everything is exciting, fresh, and new, and you can't wait to get to it, to get at it. And so everything is like kind of fast. Like, I can't wait to go, you know, you're, you're talking to your friends, you get so excited. Let's go to this, let's go to this concert. Oh my God, I'm going to drive, I'm going to drive, I'm going to drive. No, 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 let me drive. And so you're like talking fast, you're doing things fast, 
and then you make a mistake. Right. And, you know, and then you have to figure out how to overcome that mistake and get past it. But when you're older, since you've made that mistake, you know, like you're like, you know what? We've got a concert to go to. Let's make sure we have the blankets. Let's make sure we have the butt cushion. Because <laughs> remember the concert when we were 20, and we have the butt cushion, we sat on that bleacher, and that shit was hard. <laughs> and after two hours, it feels good. So, like, that's what I think being older, uh, you know, you, you kind of figure out all of the mistakes you've made. Right. So you take your time doing things, especially saying things, because how many times have we all stuck our foot in our mouth? Talking oh god yes (laughs) too many times anymore because old people toenails are always long and crusty and nasty (laughs) now did you you channel your father or any um older relative what's that did you channel your father or maybe an older relative in portraying older miguel i didn't but i will say we have a uh a producer on the show he's he's uh, an executive producer he is the um uh line producer basically for our show and he's been around forever he was the line producer on the original a team i think when that show originally started airing uh so that's how old he is and he's our line producer and he was around all the time and so i kind of watched him i watched how he moved i you know kind of watched you know everything he did just you know that that immediate kind of inspiration while on set. I was like, all right, let me just let me just take a little of what he's doing right now, put it on me, and then turn the camera on. Let's go. That's it. awesome. So will we be getting a Miguel backstory? There's my question too. <laughs> you both have the same question. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I don't. I I hope so. Um, I know that this year the the storyline had to change because of the COVID and the, um, uh, you know, everything that's going on that we had to kind of include. Because we had, I know that they had written a lot of episodes at the end of last season, uh, somewhat, some, somewhere around like 13. I think it already kind of been at least broken, if not written. The stories have been broken, if not written. And right. so a lot of things had to change. And so uh, I'm hoping, and we were, I know that we were going to get, way more of what's going on with um, Rebecca and Miguel and Miguel's backstory uh, a little bit. And I know, I know in season six we are, and there's definitely a, a plan I heard. Of, uh, Dan Fogelman told me about an episode that we're doing that's going to get into a lot of it. But, um, you know, I hope so because it would be, you know, it would be a disservice to, you know, the only Latinx character on the show to not kind of include that. And, um, and also just kind of like, you know, with what's going on, you know, being Puerto Rican, uh, you know, I'm Afro-Latino. So we are made up, Puerto Ricans are usually made up of, uh, you know, European, which is from Spain, uh, and then also like other French and other ethnicities, but then indigenous Taino Indian, which I know a lot of, I've done my DNA through two different things now, so Taino Indian, and then African. And so... With, with what's going on with Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, when I moved from when I moved from New York to Virginia, I got called the N word at least. Jesus. I mean, I can't even count ten. So, Jesus. what's going on with Black Lives Matter? It touches me in a way because I've been kind of at the butt yeah. of 
of racist attacks, if you will, um, when I was a kid. So I hope that we can look at how Miguel would view what's going on with BLM, how he, I mean, we did have an episode, I don't know if you guys remember, where uh, he talks to Randall about being, you know, a Puerto Rican kid moving to Pittsburgh, which he kind of took from from my own experience. Randall, uh, his character uh, in one episode goes to prom also, and he, I mean, it's the same, it's part of the same episode, but he goes to prom, and basically the girl he goes to prom with is a white girl, and her father rejects you know, her date, like, rejects Randall for being black, like, mm. and so that happened to me when I was in high school. It wasn't prom, it was a whole other thing, but it was, it was a special occasion for this girl and her family, and right. the father rejected me and my participation in it, and, uh, you know, they took that and they used it for the Randall story, which I thought was great, and then, um, I almost said Esposito, um, and, Miguel got to speak to Randall when he came, he comes home early and he got to say something to him um, and, and, you know, kind of speak to it a little bit. So I hope there's a little bit more of that because I think, you know, we have to, in all of our stories, include uh, the diverse outlooks on whatever situation it might be, whether it be social, uh, racial, um, socioeconomical, whatever it is, like we have to kind of make sure that we're including everyone's voice because that's true diversity. And I think that's what's going to heal our country is to really show more true diversity in our media so that, you know, we're showing people what real, I guess, um, you know, what, what, what real, what, what real experiences are for people and how, you know, how I take something as a, as a, as a, as a PR, how someone who's Filipino takes something, how someone who's black takes something until people can understand, they're not going to understand why black lives matter is important. And it's not just about the word black, the word lives, the words matter. It's about, these are how people, um, respond to certain, you know, certain behavior, certain, certain phrases, certain things they see, certain actions because of their background and i think unless we show that unless we show that part of miguel and, and a show like ours which hits so many people in so many different ways and you know we're not gonna truly heal from what's been going on in this country for for years now that's absolutely true wow john huertas thank you so much for an amazing interview on below the belt show very candid and i we love uh, talking about the, the, the pressing issues that are facing this country, and uh, we're still waiting for a president to be announced, so we'll, we'll be uh, waiting uh, for that. Wait, <laughs> uh, wait. John? Did they announce any more states since we've been on this call? Have you seen any? No. No, uh, no, no, still he's still same. at 264, so I don't think we're going to, oh, I think close. we're all waiting on Nevada for tonight, maybe, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. Georgia's, Georgia is going to finish counting tonight, they said. Oh, Really? So it's going to be about nine o'clock Pacific, uh, about eleven or twelve Eastern. Yeah. So, yeah, but so uh, isn't he? Aren't they saying now that he is? Well, we expected this that he's starting a fuss about. Yeah. He's trying to block some of the votes from being counted, like because they're late. Yeah, he's already filed. His followers of- went and like and like protested in Michigan to stop the count, but if they were stopping the count, Biden would in the lead anyway so it would have been pointless and now they're starting the lawsuits and stuff but everybody expected it and we're all just gonna yeah. roll roll our eyes at it and you know it's 
fucking ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> like again, I mean, I can, I it is when you when you but, think he was dismantling sorting machines and stealing mailboxes from New York all the way to Baltimore and across the country. You knew he was up to something, you know. Well, we'll have to see how it plays where's out, guys. From? Where's everybody living? Where's everybody from? DMV, um, myself, Ali, and Desiree. Ashley's from Vancouver. Okay. She I was born and raised in New York, but I've been here so long, I actually developed part of a Southern accent, which I try to <laughs> stamp out. Yeah. I'm John, in Pasadena, but the, the not as cool as California. The Maryland Pasadena. The Mal- Maryland Pasadena. Pasadena in Maryland? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Where in Maryland is Pasadena? What, close to what? Anne Arundel uh, County? Kind of like in between Baltimore and Annapolis. Oh, okay, cool. So when I left to go in the Air Force, I left through Baltimore because I was living ah. in called Winchester in Virginia, which is like oh, nice. five oh, minutes. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very nice. That was country. That was country <laughs> out there in Winchester. Kind of. There's like city and country. There's Frederick County which is the country, and then Winchester is a historical town where a lot of people lived. They worked in D.C., and you know, they commuted. And so there was like, yeah, this kind of but small city vibe, very small city vibe, and then this real country vibe. And it was right on the Mason-Dixon line, too, so it's north and south, so people were just confused. <laughs> I got there, I was the only Puerto Rican, the only Latino, really. They were really confused. <laughs> That's awesome. why I call the N-word. Oh, no. John, they didn't, what they didn't call me. <laughs> John, if you could, before we let you go, uh, do a little promo. Let us know who you are from This Is Us, your character, and let us know you're on Below the Belt show. What's up? I'm John Huertas. I play Miguel on This Is Us, and right now I'm on the Below the Belt show. Muy bien. Gracias. Well, wherever you are, John, I hope that your mom makes you pasteles for Christmas because my mom is my mom is the white side of my family. So my grandmother used to make me pasteles, but she died. Oh man! Myself. Yeah, oh, man. Make, you, we got, and next time I'm in Venice Beach, man, because my sister's out uh, in LA. I gotta check out Clutch, man. Come through. Yeah, man. I love it, man. Awesome. Oh, my I see more of. More of Miguel and This Is Us. Yes, of course. And let's take a snapshot, guys. And three, two, smiles. <laughs> nice. That was awesome. John, thanks so much for an incredible interview on Below the Belt Show. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Whip. what I have to say tomorrow if we don't have Agent Orange in office anymore. <laughs> Whip. Oh my god. <laughs> that happened. Bye guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye John.